20 years ago this month, in August of 2000, I preached my first Sunday morning sermon. I was a seminary student at the time, about to begin field education, which is basically an internship in a church setting. One of my teaching pastors knew I was in the area over the summer and asked if I'd like to be on the list of guest preachers in August. I said, sure. This was in late June. I had six weeks to prepare. Now, this church um, followed the revised common lectionary, so I looked at the four assigned passages for that day. One was a psalm. Psalms are difficult to preach on. One was a bit of the New Testament, which struck me as being about the Trinity, and I didn't really want my first sermon to tackle the theology of the Trinity. The Hebrew scripture reading was from the book of Exodus, told about God providing manna to the Hebrews while they're in the wilderness, having been released, freed from slavery in Egypt. The fourth was the passage I just read from the Gospel of John, culminating in the famous words of Jesus, I am the bread of life. Now, I'll be honest, no thoughtful Christian uh, chooses the Gospel of John for their first sermon because the Gospel of John is among the most complicated and deep texts in the Bible. But it seemed the least awful choice. I could have ducked out, I could have taken the easy way out and just focused on the manna in the wilderness, but I knew that that selection was only there to help interpret this passage from the Gospel of John. And so I set to work. This may surprise some of you, but in my college days and before, I was a terrible procrastinator. I did all sorts of things at the last minute, or in some cases even beyond the last minute. I was notorious for it when it came to writing papers at the last minute or getting extensions on them. But something inside of me told me that I could not procrastinate on a sermon. Bad things would happen. I needed to put forward a good effort. And so within a couple of days of saying I would preach that Sunday in August, I had selected the passage I would focus on. And I set to work. And almost every day for the next six weeks, I patiently wrote and edited and rewrote that sermon. I don't know how many times I read this sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, more than I care to count. I remember that I kept asking questions why would Jesus say that? Why would people ask him these things? What's really going on here? And especially, what is Jesus' real point? What does Jesus hope that they and, well, we will understand when he says, I am the bread of life? I wrestled with this passage and as I wrote the sermon, I discovered that in order to interpret those six words, I am the bread of life, I kept working backwards through the, gospel, the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John to the beginning of the chapter, 
which is yet another telling of Jesus feeding the multitude. A great host of people. It's the end of the day. There's no food nearby. And Jesus blesses a small amount of food, and it is enough to feed all of them. A great miracle. The Gospel of John calls it a a sign. It was such a powerful moment for some of them that they wanted to declare Jesus, well, the son of David, the rightful king of Israel. They wanted to try to anoint him. And they basically chased him off because he wouldn't let them. And he ends up on the other side of the sea, and they follow him and find him, at least some of them, the next day. And Jesus challenges them. You're only looking for me because I gave you something to eat yesterday. You're not looking for what I can really provide. God provided manna in the wilderness. Well, if you can do that, Jesus, we want that. And then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Twenty years ago, as I wrestled with with this passage and worked on it every single day, I was perplexed and could not escape the fact that these would-be followers of Jesus, the ones who had wanted to make him king, the ones that had followed him across the sea and chased him down and found him the next day, Jesus just says, in more ways than one, they're missing the point. They don't understand what he's really teaching. They don't realize and recognize what he's really offering them. And so as the Sunday approached when I was to preach 20 years ago, I was reading my sermon just a couple of days before, and I'll be honest, it was downright depressing because I couldn't escape the fact that these followers of Jesus just missed the point. And I can't, couldn't help but wonder if you and I, as followers of Jesus today, are similarly missing the point. That we're just following Jesus for the equivalent of the miracle, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, the multitude, and not recognizing Jesus as the bread of life and all that that means for our lives. Anyway, Friday night came along that week, and I was reading the sermon, and it was downright depressing. And I got mad. I'm not a, I'm not um, proud to say that, but it's the truth. I got very angry. I got very angry at God. And the reason I was angry is because I had worked. I mean, I could understand if I came up with an unsatisfying product when I had done it at the last minute. But this was the opposite of that. I had put in an extraordinary amount of time. And I thought the sermon was just downright awful. Because what gospel truth, what encouragement, what love was I really sharing? I won't go into it, but let's just say God and I had some choice words that night. The next night, unable to sleep the night before the sermon, I woke up and read it again and added a final paragraph. 
a silver lining to the gray cloud that I had painted was describing from this sixth chapter of John about how even when we don't fully comprehend what Jesus offers we can still follow the example of these disciples that are talking to Jesus in the sixth chapter of John we can always keep looking keep following keep striving keep trying to understand even when we're sometimes missing the main point when we're focusing just on the the daily bread that Jesus provides instead of the eternal bread of life I go into this lengthy description of my preaching the first sermon which by the way it was longer than I felt it should have been and so I didn't particularly preach it well either because I rushed it trying to speed it up I go into this description because I realized a few years later that the six weeks of work of study and prayer oh so much prayer that I invested in trying to prepare this single sermon properly well it's actually how I learned to preach I mean what I'm doing right now oddly enough to a camera so that you can watch it in, in a convenient and comfortable place on your computer your TV your phone what I'm doing what I've done for the last 20 years the root of it the foundation of it I learned those six weeks I didn't realize it at the time because that wasn't really my goal I thought it was important that if you were presented with the opportunity to preach you should do it well you should do it faithfully you should have something meaningful to say for people to consider to chew on maybe to be guided by and inspired by as they strove to be faithful to God but I didn't think it would be something that I would do week in and week out that it would be a, a big part of my career at that time I thought I was more likely to become a teacher rather than a preacher I think God had other plans that's certainly one of the lessons of my life in the last 20 years but the other thing was that God had planted seeds in me before that summer of 2000 so that when the opportunity to preach came along I took it very very seriously and then God carefully while I wasn't really even paying attention taught me how to do something that well several people have told me over the years has been quite meaningful and purposeful in their lives in their faith which is to say in some ways God was providing me with a bread of life not just for myself but for many others when I thought I was just feeding on my daily bread and I'm convinced that God does that for all of us in different ways well I am certainly I do certainly believe that everybody has a sermon in them to preach 
about God's impact in their lives, ways that they have seen or encountered God in their lives. But I don't think that everybody is called to preach week in and week out. But I do think that God has planted seeds and pointed us in the direction of recognizing Jesus as the bread of life. Something that nourishes us more than day in and day out. And something that nourishes more than just us. Something that we can offer with God's help and with God's guidance and through God's grace and with God's blessings for the benefit of many other people around us. Something that doesn't simply fulfill our needs and wants. Something that doesn't simply enrich our personal lives, but strengthens and enriches many people beyond us. If I've learned one thing about preaching over the years, and I keep learning about preaching, while the foundation was set 20 years ago, I keep learning, I think it's this lesson, that some of God's most important work in our lives work of preparation happens while we're paying attention to other things. And then when the time comes, when the season arrives, if we recognize the opportunity, if we take it seriously, we may realize that God has already planted things in us, prepared us in certain ways to meet those opportunities and challenges. I'm staking my faith and, frankly, my hopes for the next season and seasons of my life on that lesson. That's what I will strive to do as I grow into being a regional minister. I know I have many things to learn, but I have faith that God has been preparing me in many ways while I've been paying attention to other things. And I'm equally convinced that it is true for Eastgate's future ministry, for your future ministry too. That God has been planting and preparing you for all sorts of things, probably while you were focused on something else. And the season may be coming where, well, where it's time for the harvest, where you will have wonderful fruit to offer to share that will enrich your life and the lives of so many others around you. And through these lessons, all of us will come to better understand and celebrate what Jesus means when he says, I am the bread of life. And if we get it partially wrong, well, like those first disciples so long ago, we can keep trying to follow Jesus. Chase him down across the ocean, across wherever, and ask him again. Okay, if I got it wrong, Jesus, help me to get it right today.